if, uh, if I haven't met you, my name is Pastor Kimmy, and uh, so excited about the word that God has for us today. And I don't know if I've ever said that before, probably, because I always get excited about the word of God, and that we get to come together and in community just study uh, his goodness, and, and uh, not so that we'll have more knowledge, but so that we'll have more connection to him. And today, I, I believe, is going to be a Holy Spirit day. So I wanted to start out with a story about my daughter, uh, Trinity. I have three kids. I have Noah, Trinity, and Eden. And so Trin is 17. And this summer, as we were out on adventures and doing different things, she had this thing uh, that's kind of like the cool thing to say, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm not super cool. I'm a mom <laughs> of teenagers. But she would say this thing all the time, and it kind of caught on in our family. And so she would say, no, uh, sorry, full send or no send. She would say full send or no send. And so basically what that meant is as an opportunity would come before her, she had two choices, right? She could full send, which meant even if she's scared, even if she's not excited, she's like, I am going to 100% commit to that decision. I'm going to do that thing. I'm going to full send it, right? Or she could say, no, send. No, I, I don't want to do that thing. Okay, so as we were um, down in the Okanagan on the family mission trip, an opportunity came to go uh, cliff jumping into the Okanagan uh, lake. And so it was like full send or no send for Trin. And so she was like, full send. She was full send. And she said to me, mom, you are no send. Like, you are not allowed to jump off that cliff, right? Mom, no, Trin, yes. And so she did it, and it was pretty awesome. Uh, she was full send. And then she had a whole bunch of other things come, and just as the summer went on, we were all like, full send, full send, or no send. And uh, she also had this other time, we were out boating, and she wakeboards, and so she was on her, on her wakeboard, and it was like, full send, gonna land those jumps on the wakeboard, right? She could have been like, no send, don't want to do it, the risk is too great, but she was like, nope, full send. So I want you to say full send, and I want you to say no send. Say full send, no send. Well, there were these guys in the Bible, and uh, they were full send kind of guys, okay? And our story is from Acts chapter 6, and uh, these guys were the apostles. So they were the 12 best friends of Jesus. They traveled around with him. They were full send, right? Like they were persecuted, bad stuff happened, so they left everything, and they full send followed Jesus. Well, Jesus dies, resurrected, all that's happened. And now they've got all these Christian communities, and this is where we pick up in Acts chapter 6. There's all these communities, and what's happening is that some of the people aren't being cared for. The, the apostles are out teaching and preaching the word of God and spreading the gospel, but then there's like caring for people, and that's kind of falling down because they're so busy preaching and teaching. So they decide that they're going to appoint some, some dudes that are going to be the guys who are going to oversee making sure the widows, probably like the single, single parents, are being taken care of and fed. And so there's a whole bunch of them, and one of them is this guy named Stephen. And we're going to take a look at his life today. And so we're going to open to Acts 
6, verse 5. And there's a list of names, but Stephen's name is first. And it says, Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Okay? And then it's like Philip and Procurnus and all these other dudes, right? But none of them have any descriptions. It's just Stephen who has this description after his name. And then it goes on to say in verse 8, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed miracles and signs among the people. Okay, so we're getting the picture picture that Stephen is a full send kind of guy, right? Like he is singled out in this list and there's this description afterwards of his personality, of his characteristics that are noteworthy. There's something about this guy that really stands out and Luke draws attention to it in the book of Acts. And so he's like basically saying Stephen is a full send kind of guy. Say full send. And if you're at home, I hope you're saying this in your living room. Just say, full send. Say it again. Full send. That's right. So Stephen is this full send kind of guy. He is flowing with the Holy Spirit, right? He is performing miracles and signs and wonders, and he's probably getting a lot of attention. And so the teachers from the synagogue, the, the, the guys who live by the rules. Do you know someone who lives by the rules? Like, you, you know, we all kind of know that person that loves the rules. Well, these guys lived by religious rules and they loved it. Like it was the thing they woke up for every single morning was to live by these rules together. And, and they don't like Stephen because he's a, a full scent kind of guy, but he's one of those faith-filled, exuberant kind of Christians. Like, do you know anybody like that? And you're kind of like, I don't know if I really like you or trust you. There's something about you. No, I'm kidding. I love those people. I love those people. They're the best people, right? Well, the religious rulers don't like those people. And so um, they, they go on in the book of Acts chapter 6, and, and it actually says this about Stephen, that none of them, so none of the religious leaders, were able to stand against the wisdom and spirit by which Stephen spoke, right? So none of them. And can you imagine? They are like, we really don't like this guy. He is a thorn in our side. He is annoying. And he knows more than me. And he's more gifted than me. Like, how could that possibly be, right? Is what these guys are thinking. And they are annoyed. And so the teachers of the synagogue actually convinced some people to lie about Stephen and to say that he had blasphemed against God. Okay, so they're total lies, but, but they go ahead and they do this. And in chapter 7, Stephen does something so incredible. He, he goes before the teachers of the religious law, and he speaks their language. He gets their interest. He gets their attention by talking about Jewish history. He talks about Abraham and Jacob and Moses, and he starts in Acts uh, 7, verse 2, by referring to God as our glorious God, which in Hebrew was El Hakavod, meaning the glory of God. And so Stephen acknowledges 
God in his fullness, the glory of God. That's who he believes in. And so by doing this, this actually disproves the claims against him that he was speaking blasphemy because he just is like correcting it right then and there. I believe in God in the fullness, El Hakavad. All right, well, the Jewish council start to, they're hearing him talk and they're like taking like a big sigh of relief, like letting their guard down a little bit. Maybe this guy isn't too crazy and nuts, right? Like he's speaking our language. And so they're like, ah, right? And he's like really uh, getting their attention. And he's building this whole sermon around their history because that was the favorite thing that they liked to talk about, right? That was their favorite. So get them on your side by talking about the thing that's their favorite thing. And just when he's got their full attention, they're completely hooked. I think the guards are probably down just a little bit. He whams them. And he says to the religious leaders that it's the Israelites, the people that you preach about, that you have hung all of your hope on, it's those Israelite people who disobeyed God, right? It's those people that when God sent a prophet, they persecuted them. They didn't listen to him. Those are the people that you're setting up on some big high mantle, you know, like that those are the people that you think are so awesome. They betrayed God. And then Stephen goes on to say, and not only did you reject the prophets, but you rejected the Messiah. You rejected Jesus Christ, our Savior. And not only did you reject him, but you killed him. Now, can you imagine, right, the high council I mean, Stephen didn't just like fish slap them. He like wham, wham, fish slapped them, right? He just like went full on in there. And I think I probably would have stayed there for a few more minutes, pointing out a few more things that they had done wrong. If it had been me, I'd be like, oh, we're going there, you know? Take the plank out of my eye for the speck in your eye. Like, we're going to go, right? But Stephen, he is smart. He sees probably the red devil pitchforks in the eyes of the religious rulers. And he's like, I got to change. I got to change my trajectory. I got to move from this because they're getting pretty mad. And sure enough, that's what he does. He says to them, don't resist the Holy Spirit. He just, he just like loves them. He's just like all about the gospel. He's like, don't miss the Messiah. You might have missed him before, but here's your opportunity. Don't miss him again. Don't do it. And he shows them the truth through Jesus Christ. And it's so beautiful. It's so merciful. And his last words end up um, with an explosion, an uproar amongst the religious leaders, and they are furious. How dare Stephen accuse them of, of not following God, right? And so there's no trial, there's no vote, there's, there's nothing. There's a lynching, and there's a mob scene, and they, the religious leaders actually like cover their ears as they yell towards Stephen. They grab him, going against protocol, going against being undignified. They did not care. They ran to him. They grabbed him. They dragged him out of the city, and they stoned him to death. And even in the end, as Stephen is being stoned to death, our full send guy, he praises God, and he says, as he, he's seeing God, he's seeing Jesus in heaven, and he says, don't convict them of the sin of killing me.
even to the very end, he's so full send and gracious, right? I don't know if I would have done the same. And maybe you're thinking, wow, I came to church for such an uplifting sermon. Like, wow, that's encouraging. Yay, stand up to the high council and get persecuted and dragged out of the city and stoned. No, that is not the point of what I want us to get out of today. You know, there's a whole lot of stuff in this Acts chapter 6 and 7, and I hope you'll take the time um, after church today to read the rest of it, because I've just paraphrased it for you. But this guy, Stephen, is a full send, dedicated guy, right? And when I looked at him, I honestly, I thought, wow, what an inspiration. But then I also thought, I, I, I feel like there's a lot of us, and maybe you can connect to this, that don't feel like Stephen, and maybe you're even like the teachers, and you think Stephen's a little bit annoying, actually, because, you know, he's just a little too over the top, and, and I'm tired, actually. I am tired right now. I'm tired of COVID, tired about talking about it. I'm tired about not talking about it, which ends up that we start talking about it. Nobody really wants to talk about it, but we're all talking about it. I'm just tired. I'm tired of restrictions, and I'm tired of not knowing what I'm going to get when, when I get to a store, what the expectations are going to be, right? And I feel like a lot of us are feeling the opposite of Stephen. We're feeling weary. We're fe feeling tired. We're feeling discouraged. We're feeling defeated, right? Fatigued. And, and I don't know if I can actually relate to Stephen, right? Well, hang on. Because Jesus has got a word of inspiration for us today. Because we're not going to stay there in that place of defeat. Oh no! We are going to move into some incredible things that God has for us. You see, the things that we can learn from Stephen are that he was bold. He was unwavering. And he pursued endurance. And there was this other guy who was all about endurance, and his name was Paul. And you know what's so fascinating is actually at the end of the story, with Stephen being stoned and killed to death, guess who's standing there watching it? Saul. Saul, the guy who persecuted the Christians. And then just a short time later, God just like wham-bams him upside the head and things change in his life, and he becomes so full-on, full-out for the gospel. And Paul now says to us in Hebrews 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the faith, to the life of faith. You see, what this is, this, this therefore, just that, that one word is like, listen up. Listen up, church. There's something that God wants to say to us right here. Therefore. You see, God's, God's saying, don't focus on your situation. Focus on me because I got a solution for you. I have a solution if you'll come to me for that solution. Quit focusing on the despair and COVID and a pandemic. Focus on the one who hung the stars. He's like, I have a solution if you will come to me. And he's saying, you need to remember. Remember the people that have gone before you. Abraham and Jacob and Isaac and Stephen. But not just them. Let's remember the people that built this church. Over 50 years ago, people got on their knees 
People prayed and prayed and asked God that, they, that he would do something different in this community. And those are the witnesses, the huge crowd of witnesses that we get to go after. People of faith who went before us, people who trained us, who, who cleared a path so that we could keep pursuing Christ. And we need to remember them and celebrate them and honor them and thank them for what they have done. Amen. You see, we need to be bold in that. And then Paul continues on in this verse and he says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. You see, the language that Paul is using here is very athletic, right? And we're going to see it as we go on to the next little bit. Uh, and the reason is that in Paul's day, they would have these incredible athletic races where like thousands of people would gather in stadiums and the athletes would literally strip off every weight. So they would go to the stadium with the robe on and when they got to the start of where they were going to, you know, run, they stripped off that robe and they left it and they actually ran the race naked. Isn't that fantastic? They ran the race naked. And no, I am not calling us church to run any races naked. Please keep your clothes on and I'll keep my clothes on, okay? Like that is not what God is saying here. But he's saying we need to strip off the things, the hurdles, the discouragement, the despair, the hopelessness, we strip it off and we leave it at the cross. And we don't pick it up and put it back on. We leave it there because we don't want it anymore. He's saying, strip it off, repent. And he goes on to say in this scripture, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. And I love this word, endurance. It means steadfastness, consistency, and patience, right? You see, the enemy wants to immobilize you. He wants to. He is prowling around trying to distract you, speaking words of defeat and despair and hopelessness, pulling your mind over to darkness, to things that weigh you down. That's what the enemy does. He doesn't want you to participate. He does not want you to be an athlete, all right? He wants you to be a spectator. And, and in the day of, of Stephen, the, the religious teachers were spectators. They weren't actually in the game that God had for them. You see, if you've ever been an athlete, like, and how many of you have been an athlete? Put your hand up if you've ever been an athlete. Like, no, I'm not one right now. I don't know if you can actually tell. My six-pack is hidden. But, but, you know, I was an athlete. Absolutely. I loved playing basketball and volleyball and cycling and netball and, and all these different sports, right? Well, I was full send when I was an athlete, right? I knew that I had to train. I couldn't sit on the couch and eat two pizzas and expect to show up to my basketball game and play like Michael Jordan. Because you know, I was pretty close to playing like Michael Jordan. And in my day, it was, it was close. But I knew that as an athlete, I had to train, right? That I couldn't eat all that junk food and show up and expect that I was going to be able to play my sport. That's what an athlete does. They train, they invest. But what about being a spectator? 
Have you ever been a spectator for a sport? Put your hand up. Yeah, I think most of us, right, have spectated. Now, when I'm a spectator, I don't have to train, do I? Right? I show up to my kids' sports as a spectator. Yeah, I drove them there, but I could literally eat the two pizzas, sit on the couch all week, and drive my kids to sports, right? As a spectator, it doesn't cost me anything to go and to spectate, to watch, right? But what is it about spectating that we think the athlete or professional athlete should be listening to us? that we actually know how to play the game better than, say, like Michael Jordan, right? Like, what is it about that? That we're like, oh, you're so stupid. You missed the pass. Like, does your stick have a hole in it? You know, like, we just, we think as a spectator that we know more than the professional that's playing that game, right? You know, when my son Noah was playing hockey, I actually hoped that my husband could rig it so that Noah's helmet would have like a microphone in it and it would have my voice. <laughs> and I could be like, Noah, no, go the other way. Noah, get in the penalty box. Like seriously, right? That's what we do when we're spectators. We think we know exactly what the athlete needs to do, to do right? We have paid nothing to get there. They have paid everything to get there, but we think we know better. How about a spectator at church? Is the worship too hot? Is it too cold? Is it too slow? Is it too fast? Is the lighting too light? Is it too dark? And don't even get me started about that Pastor Kimmy and the way she preaches. I am sure I could do a better job than her, right? That's what we do as spectators. We think, get out of my way because I want to do that thing. I know I can do a better job than you, right? And Paul is saying to us in the book of Hebrews that we need to be athletes. We need to be spiritual athletes. That we are full send spiritual athletes for Jesus. That we're not spectators that are like no send. You see, if you want to be that no send spectator, it doesn't cost you much, right? You let the distractions numb your pain. You don't deal with your baggage or your unforgiveness or your bitterness. You criticize people. You come to church when you feel like it. You judge other people for their lack of effort of what you see in your mind. It costs you nothing to spectate. It costs us nothing to spectate. But if we want to actually have respect and a voice and an, an opinion, that means we have, to, we have to get in the game with God. We have to get into what he's doing. We have to train and we have to build and we have to spiritually exercise. We have to prepare and we have to work for it. Those things don't just come. We have to work for those things. You see, do you want to be full send for God's kingdom or do you want to be a no send complainer? And you know what, guys? I, I'm telling you, something happened to me this summer. I am so on fire for the gospel and what Jesus needs to do in this world that I don't want to sit on the couch anymore. Enough sitting on the couch, church. We need to get out there full send and love people where they're at. We need to not let them hear there's a pandemic. We need to go and love people. Let's bring hope to our world. Let's bring Jesus to people. I am too old 
to be sitting around waiting for, for some miraculous thing to happen. I know that if I step into where God wants me to be, he's going to step in and we're going to go some places. And you know, I know I look really young, but I'm actually pretty old and I'm not willing to sit around anymore waiting that maybe somehow, some way, somewhere this is going to happen. I'm going to step into obedience. I'm going to spiritually say, I want to be an athlete. So I am going to train. I am going to study God's word. I'm going to do, you know, the, the arm lifts. I don't even know the terms. That's been how long it's been since I've exercised. Well, no, I'm on my elliptical, but I hear that's really for old people. So anyways, I'm so ready, church, but not just for me. I'm ready for you. I'm ready for you to have a fire that there would be a move in your heart. Because you know what? I, I'm going to move me. If you want to come with me or not, I love you, but I actually don't care. <laughs> if you want to come, oh boy, I'm so excited because I want to go places for the gospel. But if you want to spectate, you go spectate. But please don't complain to me. Please don't tell me the things I'm doing wrong unless you have relationship because I want to go places for God, and I hope that you do too. And that means that we have to train, that even in the midst of a pandemic, even in the midst of weariness and tiredness, that we train, that we pursue endurance, we pursue Jesus. And we go back to Hebrews 12, and it tells us exactly how we do this. It says right here, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. That's it! There isn't some crazy formula that you have to follow. You keep your eyes on Jesus. And, and why? Because it says the champion. You see, Jesus is the Olympic gold medalist of every single sport, right? He's the one. He's the champion. He's the one that we are trying to, to be closer to, to hear more from, to be more connected to, to follow and pattern our lives after. It's Jesus and he initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. He endured the cross for you. I want you to say that. Say, I, he endured the cross for me. He endured the cross for you. And he doesn't just leave you on your own. He initiates and perfects our faith. And, and yes, we get to endure some discomfort. But when we get committed and stop playing games and get in the game with God, that's when there's going to be a move. That's when there's going to be a move in our hearts. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. See, we trust in the Lord, and that's where we find our strength. It's all in him. We put all of our hope in him, and that's where we don't grow weary is when we have our hope in Jesus Christ. And so church, I believe that we need to train together, that we need to be in community together. Iron sharpens iron, right? 
that, that in connect group that we grow closer to God, but that we encourage and inspire and cheer each other on for endurance. I can't do this on my own. I need Jesus and I need you. We need each other in this to encourage each other in endurance. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't signed up for our connect groups, uh, they're called Abide, and you can sign up for those. And we have lots of different options that you can choose from. We've got a slide with all of our group leaders, and um, we've got Wednesday nights and Friday morning on Zoom and Saturday morning, and there's lots of different options. Because here's the thing. If you want to go further with God, if you want to step into something greater than the place that you're in right now, then you need to get deeper with God. Because he's not going to give you the blessing if you're not walking in the obedience. So figure out the obedience part first. Learn what you're supposed to learn right here, right now, in this place, in that obedience. He will lead you to the next holy thing and the next holy thing. He's not going to give you all of it. He wants you to strengthen, to train, to work for uh, relationship um, with him. He wants you to have a full send attitude. And so I'm going to ask if you would stand. And I've asked the worship team to come back and to sing uh, This is a Move again for us as we close today. And I really want this to be uh, a time of prayer and reflection. You see, you don't have to hang on to all of that stuff. You can strip it all away, all that discouragement and hopelessness, and leave it at the cross. And Jesus wants to do this incredible thing. He wants to exchange it. He takes your bondage and exchanges it for his grace. He gives you his forgiveness and his mercy. And so uh, I just want to pray before we go into this song. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word that is alive and active, Lord God. And Jesus, we desire to move from being a drive-through, <laughs> drive-through people to disciples, disciples that are connected to you, Jesus, and that know your voice. And for some of us, that just sounds weird and strange, and we don't know but God, give us the courage and the boldness like Stephen to be full send and say, yes, I'm going to step into this thing even if I don't know. I'm going to step into it because I don't want to be a drive through I want to be a disciple. I want to be an athlete, a spiritual athlete. And so church, I just pray that you will just let go of all of the, the weights that have been holding you back and remember that mountains are still being moved. Jesus is in control of this world. Strongholds are still being broken off because of the name of Jesus Christ. Bodies are still being raised because of Jesus Christ. Giants are still being slayed because of you, Jesus Christ. And so God, work in our hearts. Move us from spectators to athletes because we want to be full send for you.